Welcome to the Bread of Life Radio, a listener-supported program of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Fellowship of Boise, Idaho. One of the central purposes of our radio ministry is to stir up in our listeners a robust confidence in the sufficiency of Jesus Christ for everything they need. As God's people satisfy themselves in the fullness of Jesus, they present Him as attractive to all those around them. May that be your desire to make Jesus attractive by your enjoyment of Him. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. We're considering two verses today, one from the book of Psalms and another from the Gospel of John. The words of David and the words of Jesus. In Psalm 119.11, David says, Your word have I hidden my heart, that I might not sin against you. And in John 17.17, Jesus prays for us, saying, Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. We've asked the question, why is it that a person can know the Bible and teach the Bible and yet not live in accord with the teachings of that Bible, not live a holy life? And the answer that we've given is that first you must follow the pattern found in these two verses. First, we must want to be holy. We must want not to sin against God. And second, we must know that the answer for this holy life is not in ourselves and in our own efforts. God has to give us the answer, and we must receive that answer from His Word being planted deep within us to make any difference. And so, that Word, that Bible, has to be hid in our hearts. Now, what does that mean? There are certain things that I treasure in my life, and I've taken them, and I've hidden them away in a place where I can pull it out every once in a while, and look at it, enjoy it, and I kind of, I know we're not supposed to be hoarders or misers. You know, we're not supposed to store away those things that are going to rot away, but you can kind of imagine how it happens. A person gets a little catch of a, a rare collectible that has caught their fancy, and then it slowly becomes an obsession for them, and then they, they decide to get one of them, and then they get two of them, and then they get three of them, and then they think, you know, I, I might be able to put a room aside in my house where I can begin to display these things. And, and then they let their friends come in and look at them periodically, and they go in at times, and they, they count them, and they dust it off, and they, they measure them, and they stack them, and uh, they let their friends come in, and they, they can't touch, but you can look. And if you touch, you've got to put these gloves on, and then they get a bumper sticker, you know, to talk about it. To say that this is what they identify with. You know, I heart antique pencil sharpeners. You know? <laughs> and uh, I heart Archie comic books. Maybe that's it. There were people who hearted Beanie Babies. They've decided that wasn't a good idea after all. But there were people who had stacks and stacks of Beanie Babies at one time. Right? They're kind of strange obsessions. They become a point of identification for them. They're all about that thing. Seems kind of ridiculous for us who don't heart beanie babies or antique pencil sharpeners. The psalmist is storing up the true treasure of God's eternal word. He's storing it up in a hungry heart, God's truth. He's planting it deep inside of him like a treasure. He goes back to it and meditates upon it. He weighs it out in his life. He measures its implications for himself. He thinks about how he can 
as he's reading it, how he can put it on display from his life, how he can share it with others, how others can come and look at it. He's even careful how he shares it because he doesn't want them to despise this thing so it's because it's so wonderful and so good to him. And he, he goes throughout his day considering it over and over again and sorting out its applications and implication and meaning for his life. He's treasuring it. You can't treasure in your heart something that you go to sparingly or go after sparingly. It's something you have to spend a lot of time with. It's something that you're going to have to make a, a magnificent obsession for your life. I think that's what the psalmist is saying. Your word has become my magnificent obsession so that I will not sin against you. I'm obsessed that all that it is and all that it means would be developed and all of its inferences might be played out in my life. And when a, a person does that, the Spirit of God comes and takes hold of that word and he begins to raise it up so it speaks to us in the midst of our temptations. It will stand up and bring us into wisdom before the complexities of life. It will bring comfort to us before the trials of life. It will guide our conduct in life and we'll be prepared and be on guard when the enemy comes against us with surprises. It will command us into acts of valiant and brave counterattacks of the enemy when he comes against us like a flood. It will keep us from sin. It will lead us into holiness. But you have to treasure it. You have to treasure it. Do you do that? Before the Word of God, do you treasure it? You know, I think it's wonderful when you get a habit in your life where you decide you're going to read your Bible every day. And, and you know, you might have a goal to read through the Bible in a year, which is a wonderful and good goal. But I just want to warn you, don't just tick it off. Just, just don't go to the Word so you can check it off, so you can keep up with the, the cadence and the pace of the day you've set so that you can get it done within a year if you're not treasuring it. The Word that the Spirit of God spoke to the seven churches in the book of Revelation seven times was, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. It's not just that you read it, not just that you observe it, not just that you begin to learn it, but you need to hear what the Spirit of God is wanting to say. You need to long to hear God's voice and have God's direction. Let me give you one last point, and this will be our conclusion, and it's this. That's what I want to say from this passage in Psalms 119, but I want to remind you again of what we read in John 17, 17, where the Lord Jesus, when he was praying for his disciples before he went to the cross, said, Lord, make them holy through your truth. Your word is truth. And I want to tell you that when you come before this word and you begin to read it, the other way that this word begins to keep you from sin and lead you in holiness is as you read it, you need to let yourself be set down within the, and under the intercessions of Jesus Christ as you come to it. Hebrews 7.25 says that Jesus Christ continues a present activity on the behalf of his followers. And that is that he ever lives, it says, to make intercession for us. <laughs> Jesus died for our sins. He rose again from the grave. He's ascended into heaven. He's coming back for us one day. But right now, the Lord Jesus is praying for us. He's interceding on our behalf. He's praying that our life might bring honor and glory to him and that our lives would be kept from sin and that we'd be one with him and that we become a wonderful expression of his word and his truth in the world around us. If you want to get an idea of what the Lord Jesus is praying, I really recommend that you go to John chapter 17 and read it. You know, the disciples saw Jesus do tremendous miracles, but they never said, Jesus, teach us how to do miracles. 
they saw Jesus teach with tremendous authority, but they never said, Jesus, teach us how to, how to communicate to others with the kind of authority you have. But the disciples watched Jesus pray, and they went to Jesus and said, Lord, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And actually, John 17 is the only place in the New Testament where we have a record of what kind of prayers Jesus prayed. So we kind of know how to pray and how he prays for us. So read it. If you want to know what Jesus is doing right now for you, what he's saying on your behalf right now, what is he saying about me? Study John 17. And one of the things Jesus prays is, make them holy by your truth, your word is truth. The other day I was sharing this with somebody, a member of our church, and they told the story of being at the funeral of an elderly woman that had were 17 children. And there were a couple of those children giving tribute to her. They got up together to give tribute to her, this woman, and they were old themselves. They were quite old themselves. They were two brothers. And they commented that the mother used to oftentimes retreat from these 17 kids and go into the pantry to pray for the family and pray for the kids. And that on one occasion, they decided to hide away in the pantry, could hear what she was praying. So here are these two boys that are hiding away in the pantry while their mother enters in the pantry to pray for her 17 kids. And this is what they remember hearing her say, and they never forgot it even as old men. Lord, Dad and I need lots of help with this job. It's just too great for us. Just that line. Dad and I need lots of help with this job. It's too great for us. And hearing that prayer stuck with them, changed the way that they thought about their lives as they exited that pantry and snuck back out into the light of day that, they were being prayed for and their parents were drawing upon the help and the wisdom and power of God to raise them. And I can attest to being a little boy playing hooky and sneaking down the hallway one day and hearing my mother in a, what seemed like a quite boisterous conversation only to see through the doorway her kneeling by the bed and I heard my name when she was talking. That's what made me go down the hallway. What's she saying about me? She was kneeling and praying for me. I knew my parents prayed for me, but seeing it, coming under it, it changes the way you go about life. Now listen, brother and sister, our Savior is praying for you. Right now, he's mentioning your name before the Father. When you go home and on some occasion at the end of the day, you open up this book to read it, he's praying as you open that book up. He's saying, oh, Father, Father, make them holy through this truth. Your word is the truth they need. Guide them and lead them. And I think it would be really helpful for you to know. And as you come before that word to release yourself into the current of the all-powerful prayers of your Savior on your behalf, change the way you see yourself. Change the way that you engage this very word. I'll leave you with a quote. It's partly from Murray, and it's partly my adaptation of his quote, but Andrew Murray, it's this. Would you be holy, child of God? Cast yourself into the mighty current of intercession always flowing into the heart of the Father. Let yourself be carried upon the current of Jesus' prayers for you. Let the spirit of holiness carry you into that prayer so that your whole soul cries along with the Son and with the Spirit in unutterable groanings too deep and too intense for human speech. Holy Father, make me holy in your truth. 
Make me holy in your truth. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. We take our Bibles in hand, and before we open it, we see that it's got a name, the Holy Bible, your holy words. It has a design then. It's to create in us lives that are expressive of the majesty and the glory of your moral nature and attributes, O God. Your kindness and your goodness and your justice and your faithfulness your truthfulness, your fidelity, your purity. God, here we meet you, but we can't produce it in ourselves. You must do it within us by your power and your might. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you've died for our sins. We thank you that all that you were and all of your perfect nature is clothing us and adorning us. But we also thank you that your design and your purpose is to live within us by the Spirit, to express that glory and that majesty and that righteousness from out of us. And we come to you by faith, wanting that very reality for our lives so that we can be lights, lights for you in this dark age, so that we can be salt, preserving salt in a rotting age, so that we can know you and enjoy you as we're drawn near to you through our obedience to you. Do this in our hearts and do this by your power and show us, show us what you want from us as we read your word. Oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer, this is my constant longing and prayer. That is where you must start as you come before God's word and seek the path of a holy life. Thanks for listening to the Bread of Life today. We're a listener-supported program of the International Outreach Ministry, Church Partnership Evangelism, and the Local Mission Church Fellowship of Bread of Life in Boise. To learn more about us and how you can support our work, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until next time, may God bless you.